Hello, and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. And today we're talking about figuring out your life by graduation. Hmm. A myth-busting episode with our guest, Anil Ram. Anil, after graduating from the University of Manchester in 2012, became a headhunter and recruiter working with global organizations such as BCG, Bain, McKinsey, Goldman Sachs, eBay, Spotify, Facebook, and Google, as well as startups and SMEs. While transitioning out of headhunting, he took advantage of the networks that he had created with graduate recruiters to gain inside knowledge while also working as a strategy consultant for marketing design agency for global brands and fashion, hospitality, retail, and more. At the age of 28, he became the youngest careers consultant in the UK, working for UCL School of Management with undergraduates and postgraduates. During this period, Anil gained recognition with students at universities across the world, in particular Harvard, Stanford, Oxford, Cambridge, LSE, MIT, Singapore, Sydney, and many more. And now he's decided to set up his own business called Grad Coach to tackle the problem of careers for students through a different way. Using technology and online learning, Anil is providing students and graduates with powerful tools to manage their careers for life. He's joining us from Birmingham in the UK. Anil, welcome to the Career Builders podcast. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks a lot, Lisa. Thanks a lot for having me. Hello. Yes. It's a pleasure to have you. What an impressive bio. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been an interesting whirlwind of a bit of a journey for me. I love it. So yes, like I hinted at, we are really getting after a myth. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. But is there anything else that you'd like to add to your backstory that wasn't mentioned in your bio that our listeners should know about you? Yeah, I mean, I suppose I'll kind of go into a bit about how I've kind of ended up here. Uh, and I suppose this, this topic really resonates with me because I've, I've kind of gone through that journey. And I think that's, that's one of the most uh, or, or kind of useful tools that I have uh, that I kind of lean on is that, it, you know, I, I happen to be one of the youngest, if not the youngest careers consultant in the UK. So I kind of got, I got it. I, you know, when I graduated in 2012, I was, I was helping students. So for me, when I went through university, I mean, I, I guess on hindsight, I went for the wrong reasons. I went to party. I went to go away from home. I went to be a sports scholar. I kind of lived the life and, and you know, oh, well, you know, careers I'll figure out. And then I was supposed to figure out in year one. I kind of got to university. I kind of understood what university life was about. Well, I'll figure out in year two. And then it's like, oh, I'll figure out in my final year. And it's like, well, it's a bit of a gamble because my final year counts for like 84% of my overall grade so mm. I was like cool well, I'll, I'll figure out after I graduate and then I just never really got around to figuring it out um, so yeah I was kind of just thrust into the world of well here you are you post-graduation and kind of I suppose the the pre-story to going to university was family friends society said you've got to go to university because you'll if you go to university and you do a good degree and you get a good grade you'll get a good job and then having gone through that process of kind of ticking it all off, I was like, well, where's all the good jobs then? And then I'm like, <laughs> well, join the back of the queue because, you know, post 2008 recession. Uh, and then actually no one really tells you how to get a job. You kind of just Google it or hear from family and friends. So I kind of went through the whole kind of process and then flipped to the other side of, and became a head and recruiter. And I was like, oh, wow. Like there's so much you're not told. And I guess most people's first port of call is either family, friends or Google. Um, so I kind of went through it all and then, yeah, kind of, I suppose, figured out my life, not at graduation, but I suppose four or five years later in sort of 2000 or when I was about 26. So 
yeah, whatever that was, sort of 2000 and sort of 14, 15. Such a relatable story. I can hear myself in so many parts of that story. And just, I, I'd imagine that so many of our listeners will feel the same way. So thanks for sharing that. No problem. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that really quickly. That was exactly my case in terms of coming out and done school that's behind me now what do I do and oof, it's what inspires me to keep working with young people and I feel like that's something that we share in common so the myth of a person needing to figure out their life by the time they graduate where do you think that idea comes from yeah I mean I guess society culture uh and you know parental familial um pressures really I mean and then actually when I graduated that intake of university shifted I mean that really has been the major shift in the last sort of 10 years or so uh, in the UK in particular because it was just a triple just a triple increase in terms of tuition fees so when I Mm. when I was at university it was around three thousand pounds per academic year Uh, and then actually in 2012 it was like great well it's now nine thousand I'm like, whoa, that has really yeah. changed the the kind of goal field. And obviously that it still isn't necessarily in the same ballpark as, as US tuition fees, but it was a huge increase. So I suppose the, the conversation then moves to, well, what am I getting out of it? Because before that, no one really battered an eyelid. You had to go to university. And if you didn't, the kind of thought process was, what's wrong with you? And mm-hmm. Are you not clever enough to go to university? And that was the stigma of, I don't, I, I've chosen not to go to university. And a lot of it was down to society, your upbringing, uh, what school you went to. Um, you know, some schools in the UK effectively breed students to get into elite schools. So no doubt it's very similar mm-hmm. across the world. So, but a lot of it has to do with sort of cultural beliefs um, and I suppose just lack of, awareness or understanding of there's different routes into life Uh, and I suppose over the last two years you've seen a lot more high profile people I mean you've got the Charlie D'Amelio's the Dixie D'Amelio's the Logan Paul's you know Nick Merckx etc etc it's like well actually you can create a quote-unquote successful life without having to go down the traditional routes but I think a lot of it is is down to sort of society at the time parents kind of general thought processes um and kind of what's expected really of you yeah makes total sense and uh, i love your point around how there is some long-term programming that happens in the lives of people who are growing up in schools that the schools as a mission themselves have this this vision of we're going to place our students in great schools and so everything that they do from an academic standpoint is wired into that and then in many ways sort of transposed onto their students and their reality. So super key point there. Love that. I would just like to add to you that I find that a lot of students get to this point where they're sort of at either at the end of high school or just sort of starting out in university where they're looking ahead and feeling like they can't change their mind. Like it seems like such a, a big decision that they've made this decision now they're in school, they're working towards graduation with this one goal in mind. And so it seems like because of that, they need to know exactly where they're headed. I'm curious from your perspective, how do you find that this thinking holds people back or affects their performance while they're in school? Yeah, I think because you're so narrow-minded, like there is a goal. So it's almost like 
you, you go to, you effectively playing a game, I suppose. So you're kind of playing this game, you get to the end, and then it's like a game over, you, you level up. And it's, I suppose that starts, depending on your education system, very early on. Like you have exams at the end of the year, those exams will dictate perhaps what set or group you're in. Uh, and then obviously it will go on. The same in the UK. So when you're around 15 or 16, you do your GCSEs and that will dictate, I suppose, what or it heavily influences what A-levels you do. Cool. As soon as you get to your A-levels, your GCSEs no longer matter. But then you work two years for your A-levels. They will dictate what universities you go to and for what particular subjects as soon as you get into university. So there's always a, a goal in mind. And if you're always thinking about the next goal, you, you don't really think about what else. So am I actually really enjoying my subjects or am I literally just learning everything I have to for an exam at the end of the process? Do I really like learning in a particular way? So you don't, there is very little room for you know, interpretation, self-reflection. It's just learn, exam, or some form of assessed piece of work, goal, reward, next. And then it's the same for university where there is, I suppose, less spoon feeding of content and it's it is a huge culture shock for many people it's like well who's going to tell me what to do now um and then actually you sort of slowly gear up whether it's two three years or four years or more of hang on a minute in in in, at the end of three years or four years i have to know what i'm supposed to be doing for the rest of my life it's hugely overwhelming not true at all because we can all pivot we can all change and what we do at university won't necessarily dictate your career. So it's a tricky one because you almost like stifle natural learning and kind of what we all experience in real life. We perform a, a role, we start a career, we start to self-reflect, think about, is this what we want to do? We go through all sorts of issues. We explore pathways that we didn't even know existed. And we develop a set of skills and we're constantly kind of trying to reflect or should be trying to reflect. Uh, and then, you know, I suppose changing direction to hopefully do more things that fulfill us rather than drain us of energy and, and kind of disappoint us. Yeah, that's such a great point. And it's interesting too, because I, I was one of those people who got to fourth year, I was doing human resources and I got to fourth year and I was like, I don't actually really like this anymore. <laughs> and it was, it was a bit terrifying because I was in these classes, I needed to finish them, I needed to get to the end. Um, but I didn't spend any time thinking about what else I might be interested in because I was so focused on just getting through. So everything that you just said totally resonates again. What are some of the the pressures that young people face during school and upon graduation? Yeah, so I suppose, I guess there's, there's two. One is, you know, um, just trying to fit in, like understanding what school, college, university life's all about, uh, you know, it could be the first time kind of interacting with the opposite sex. It could be you're in a complete, you know, it's not a structured environment. So you can go off and you can join societies and clubs, fraternities. You can, you know, there's a lot more lax in terms of, you know, your education style or more independence in learning. So you've got that whole aspect of transitioning to school, university, college life, but also it's quite overwhelming as well of having to figure out your life. It's like, where do you begin? Who, who talks to you about figuring out your life? I mean, I suppose my, my parental uh, kind of guidance was like, you know, just, just do a traditional job. It's like, okay, but I, I don't know what a traditional job is. And, you know, doing a, being a doctor or a lawyer or a pilot is seen as like the pinnacle. Now, mm-hmm. if it's not that, it's like, well, 
kind of failed. So there's a lot to really think about. I mean, you're not really taught to self-reflect. It's almost like, well, that's the most difficult thing, but I will do what, well, Mike told me he's doing this. So therefore I'll do that. Or Lisa said she's doing this. Therefore I'll do that. And it's really difficult to actually sort of self-reflect and, and look inward and think, hey, what do I actually like? Because I've not had in 16, 17, 18 years, I've not had the opportunity to think, is this what I really like? Or mm-hmm. do I enjoy this? It's just tough. This is the curriculum, sort of put up with it, do it, do the best you can. And then it's like, cool, you, you kind of get some select choices in terms of some subjects you choose later on down the line, or obviously your, your, your college or university. But after that, in terms of your own kind of personal development and career development, it's just like from having very little to, okay, it's now all to you. It's all down to you. It's, it's hugely overwhelming. Um, so it's like, how do you deal with it? And, and I dealt with it by putting it off up until I couldn't mm-hmm. put it off anymore, which is like mm-hmm. tough. You've now started your world, your career. Uh, and it was like, well, you're unemployed for a year. That was the start <laughs> of my career. Um, so there is a lot of pressure being put on young people at this point in time uh, without the kind of the necessary support apart from Google search engines, speak to family, and I suppose understand what society thinks that you should be doing. And it's not necessarily the most accurate or helpful uh, thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many key points on what you just said. And one, a few of them that jumped out to me just around peer pressure, right? I can think back to my own decision to go to the particular university I attended here in Montreal. I was living out in Vancouver on the West coast of Canada and I'd never really been to the school that I ended up attending, but it was really around the fact that I think I might've had at least a dozen classmates in my high school uh, who were graduating at the same time. And, and McGill was very high on their radar and on their list. And that alone sort of shifted my thinking without really me consciously evaluating, like, why do I want to go to this place? And it, ended up being a very blind leap of faith that I ended up really enjoying, but I can see how just like not having that base of self-awareness, which is normal. I think when you're growing up in life and society doesn't promote it naturally as well as it probably could can lead to some really, let's just say unsubstantiated decisions in young people. And then as you say, uh, like avoiding uh, making the real decisions that that really do require your own awareness and your understanding of who you are and what you want to do. And it sounds like in your case, right. And the case of many other people that I've worked with as well, like that, that one year of unemployment, I'm sure probably led you down a path where you did discover a lot about yourself. Would you say that's true? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of exhausted all of my options. So, which was a good thing in hindsight, because I didn't have a choice anymore and all my choices were unsubstantiated. It was, well, I want to be a consultant because, you know, working for the big four is successful um, or, you know, going to the big city. So for many who aren't born in London or live in London, the goal is to get to London. And and I've spoken to many people all over the world. And if you're not from, you know, Quebec or Toronto, Vancouver, the goal is to get to one of those, you know, big cities Uh, or, being an investment banker, working for, you know, a traditional investment bank. Like that was it. That was my goal. And if you kind of probed me a bit, I couldn't really tell you why. I I would just say, well, that's successful. You're (laughs) supposed to do that. You know, that's what I want to be successful. I want to earn money. I want to be in the big city. It's like, well, you could do anything you want. So 
when I finally hit rock bottom of like having over 250 rejections and not knowing where to go next, I was like, well, you, you don't have a choice. Just say yes and kind of figure it out. And that's exactly what I did. And it was probably my best decision because I ended up stumbling upon an industry that I didn't know existed, which was head hunting recruitment. I was like, hang on a minute. I could be on the other side of the fence now. And I, I learned all about hiring, firing, interviewing, CVs, cover letters, you know, the job market and kind of understanding it from the people who, who make decisions. So it was the best thing that happened for me. It sounds like a bit of a mindset shift here too. And um, just sort of thinking about how people can give themselves a little bit more grace or compassion, because it sounds like the more you're able to let yourself explore and expand and experiment, the more likely you are to get to that thing that, that might drive you. So in your opinion or in your experience, what would you say are some ways that people can give themselves more grace or compassion? I think just reinforcing kind of the points that we've, we've made as well of like, it is a myth. Like there is no finite point that you need to figure out your career. I mean, it's so many people don't, you know, I've mm-hmm. at the start of my professional career, I worked with people who were ultimately, you know, high profile towards the end of their career and having deeper conversations, they were completely unfulfilled that they're at the end of the career and they just felt trapped. You know, they make six, seven, sometimes eight figure salaries all over the world, have children, and all of their decisions are effectively based for their family. So I met with people who were in the news regularly, uh, incredibly high profile people. And this is what they would tell me. It's like, well, I earn this much and actually earning this much doesn't make me happy anymore. I thought it would, but it wouldn't. And so I suppose it's, it's really embracing this thought process of you don't need to figure out your life by a certain age hopefully by the time you die that would be great <laughs> apart from that though there is no point there is no real set pathway it's just try to be more self-aware and also just enjoy the journey that you're on and I think I found out the hard way of just having no other option was just ingrained in my mind of it had to be consulting or it had to be finance related uh, nothing else came into my mind at all because I, I was just so fixed upon these two industries so take the time to really reflect understand that there is no you know uh, definitive time point that you need to figure out your career figuring out your career isn't a static point in life you can't just figure it out because what happens is say if you do decide that you want to explore a particular industry great but once you get there it's a slightly different challenge. It's now, oh, now I'm on the other side of the fence. Now I really understand what I have to do in this particular industry, in this particular company and job. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you kind of level up in a different way, which is we, we never stood still. So if you get the job that you really thought you wanted, it's now uh, how do I become the best at this? Or how do I perform the role? How do I then add more responsibilities? Or I don't really like this aspect of my role. How can I shift? Or I've kind of fulfilled what I wanted to in this, in this role is there a, can I go to a different role? Can I go to a different company? Can I challenge myself? So you, you do constantly grow. Um, and there is no kind of end point to figuring out your career. It's like you constantly do develop. Um, so I, I suppose that is, is being open-minded, um, not kind of having fixed, you know, goals. And a lot of it does come down to, to mindset, like you mentioned, Lisa. So, you know, everyone's heard of Carol Dweck's um, fixed and, and mindset book. 
I haven't read it, but I've read excerpts and I totally agree. Um, and yeah, I mean, and also comparison. I mean, we all compare ourselves to our friends and I so did when I was at university. It was, I always had to, wherever my friends were applying, I applied at similar places unless they were completely different industries. And I couldn't tell you why. It was just, well, if they're applying to EY, it must be good. It's like, well, we all have our own minds. We all have our own thoughts. So I think it's really important to be critic, self-critical and critical and really you know, assess where we gather information and make the right choices for us, not assume that it's a, because your friends made that choice. Therefore, it must be a great choice for us too. So I think kind of that too is, you know, comparison is a thief of joy is, is kind of one of the most famous quotes. So really, um, yeah, no need to compare, no need to feel that you have to figure things out because over the next 40, 50, 60 years of your working life, you will be figuring out your career because it's not a, it's, it's not, it's not a, I suppose, a, a fixed question, right? It's a mm -hmm. growing, ever-changing, dynamic question. Uh, and our lives and industry and the world changes. So, yeah, you kind of have to adapt with it. I absolutely love that you brought up the uh, work of Carol Dweck and mindset and the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset because that really, I, I think someone who might feel like they have to figure out their lives, their career by the time they're done school, that is in itself a very fixed-minded belief that, oh, um, I am who I am. <laughs> I need to go and find something that in and of itself won't change. And then I'll win the game. And as you put it, right, the, the game is variable and it's evolving all of the time. You are growing the industries of the world are changing. There are jobs that exist today that didn't exist 10 years ago. And there will be jobs in 10 years that no one's even thought about now. <laughs> they were, they were, are not even, they're barely ideas at this point. And to be open to playing a bigger, more infinite game, a growth-minded game, I think is such a key point. Especially because if you are wired to notice the growth in your life, right? As you go through different parts, whether it is school or the early part of your career, you're going to see that all of a sudden you have strengths that you didn't realize that you had before, which can take your whole career in a completely different direction that ends up being more fulfilling. So I love what you said there. Just wanted to double down on the whole growth mindset part, because I think that's a huge part of the solution. I think you may have hinted at this a little bit, Anil, but do you feel like there are some verticals that are more prone to the belief of figure it all out by the time you graduate, that's true for some spaces more than others? Generally speaking, younger folk, people who are going through their teens, and also I think wider demographically, just people who aren't so self-aware, who, mm -hmm. who just literally just kind of jump on the hamster wheel of life and just go, go, go without checking in that, hey, what am, why am I doing this? Or what's, what's the end goal? Uh, and that happens constantly. I, you know, I play sport with, with many people and it's people are just comparing themselves. And these, these people are in their 30s and their 40s. And it's like, well, I need to change my car because so-and-so's changed their car. Or I've upgraded to a, a larger house because so-and-so's upgraded. And it's like, well, you're in your 40s. So it's not just an age thing. So I think it's just people who, who aren't so self-aware and they're always trying to chase other people's dreams. Um, but generally speaking, younger 
folk because obviously we're still maturing we're still going through that life journey of understanding who we are um but i would say those two kind of particular demographics uh generally cool i'm, I'm curious just as an add-on question do you find that people who have parents in a typical profession tend to be a little bit more focused on on this it's a tricky one so i've, I've worked at like institutions like ucl where there are students from all sorts of backgrounds predominantly very affluent upper middle class backgrounds and some and again it's really difficult to to tell because i suppose just thinking a bit more deeper you would think actually for, for those people who come from those backgrounds would have a lot more opportunity uh, and a lot more opportunity to kind of self-reflect and realize the things that they like and dislike because they're just exposed to a lot more mm -hmm. things in life but yes that may be the case but on the flip side there's another argument of entitlement or expecting things to happen because they come from a certain background so it was a really tricky one which is something that i looked at particularly at ucl and also at institutions like stanford was people's mindset and and those who happen to have more of a fixed mindset and again came from all sorts of camps it wasn't just okay you, you come from a set of backgrounds so that was really interesting was it it, it played both ways so I, I kind of supported people who came from very affluent backgrounds who were had a growth mindset and i was like great that's that's really interesting but this is very similar people who had a fixed mindset um and that was also quite enlightening because i i didn't quite expect that yeah that is interesting what do you think we've talked about this as well i feel like a little bit what else might contribute to a healthier vision of seeing your career and avoiding this sort of trap of feeling like you have to have it all figured out? Sounds, I suppose it sounds quite hippie, but just, you know, career happiness, like, are you doing something that you enjoy doing, like fulfillment, you know, and you know, some great career coaches uh, who talk about this as well. And it's, it's just, it's really simple. I mean, do you actually enjoy what you're doing? And if you don't, it's like, cool, how can we change it? Because we don't live in a utopian world where everything is perfect or you're striving to perfection. Like it just doesn't exist. Like there's always going to be some things you don't necessarily like. And you're ultimately what you're trying to do is, is shift the balance to doing something, doing work that you, you like more than you dislike. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just judging it on, Hey, fundamentally do i enjoy does this give me energy what i do and if the answer is no it's like well that's a big sign because there's so many other well you can clutch your straws and you can start finding peripheral things like salary i don't have to wear a suit I, you know i get unlimited annual leave I, I get you know breakfast and lunch and dinner at my workplace and it's a really slippery slope to go down because if you don't enjoy what you're doing and you're staying at an organization and are in a role for peripheral things, almost like the perks and the benefits, that's a dangerous place because you wouldn't really last long because you're, you don't enjoy your work and that will eventually seep into your performance and also you know, annual performance reviews or, or, you know, your personal growth as well. So fundamentally, you know, do you enjoy it? Does it give you energy? You know, are you looking forward to it? And I think that's a much better approach than, well, what success looks like or society thinks success looks like you know these traditional careers therefore you have to do it 
and you know i think i can't remember the statistic but it's it's a crazy amount i think a quarter of our life between the age of 21 to 65 we're working so it's an incredible amount of time that you are going to work so why not make it you know an experience that you do fundamentally enjoy rather than having to to slave away and it you know i've had these conversations with students and i i also had the same thought process was great well i've got all this debt at university so i'll just go and find the highest paying salary <laughs> job i can and i'll wipe off my debt like in two years and that was the plan but i quickly realized it sucked royally and you know it was one of the fundamental reasons i stepped away from headhunting and recruitment because i just didn't like the lifestyle i didn't like contacting strangers out of the blue trying to effectively you know do sales pitches with them i just didn't and i didn't really like the culture of the industry too so no matter how much you could have doubled my salary add another zero to it i just wouldn't have stayed and that was a big kind of moment for me was six months before oh my god i'm making this much money it's going to be great i'll stay here for two years i'll wipe off all my student debt i couldn't couldn't last i just and that was one thing that has come up time and time again with students that I work with is, well, I'm only applying for this because it's, you know, it's like a 60000 or $60,000 or $60, $60, job. It's like, cool, but do you enjoy it? I'm like, no, but the, the salary is good. Hmm. I'm like, cool. Well, let's see how it goes for you then. <laughs> I had a similar conversation with someone recently and thinking about it in a longer term, it's like your earning potential as opposed to your current earnings. And if you're, so if, if somebody's really not invested in something that they're doing, but they're making a lot of money at a certain point, you're not going to get the promotions. You're not going to get, you're not going to move anywhere in your career. You're probably going to stay in that position because you're not really that interested in it. Whereas if you start somewhere lower, but you're really passionate about it, you're really great at your job, you're likely going to move up in a company or in an industry a lot quicker. So when you look at the overall earnings potential of your career, that's what really makes a difference as opposed to the next earning job. There's a line that this has just reminded me of. I worked um, at a school for a number of years throughout my 20s and our head of school was toward the end of his career. He'd been leading independent schools for about three decades. And he always had this one line that he broke out at the beginning of every year, which was that happy people are successful. It's not always the other way around happiness doesn't necessarily follow success. Success follows happiness. And that has stuck with me. I mean, when I, my own lifestyle is, is pretty laborious. I work a lot, but I can do it because this kind of work, which is this podcast and other things related to career coaching does make me happy. It does energize me going back to your question. And I think that's a fantastic question for anyone to ask themselves is, is this work making me more lively or is it draining me? Um, so I love that you included that. So what would you say to someone, Anil, let's just say you're coaching someone and they're feeling this pressure to get it all figured out by the time they're done school, what would you say to them? Yeah. I mean, short answer is like, don't worry about it. Um, but long answer, I suppose would be just start somewhere. It's like, you know, riding a bike, like it's so difficult to turn a bike when it's static. Mm. Now it's the same kind of concept with your career is, you know, we're always on one side of the fence, right? We're always looking over and thinking like, Oh, it's amazing. You know, all of these jobs and even the jobs nowadays, like, and I fall into this trap of shiny object syndrome. Like I had a few friends who got jobs at TikTok, and I was like, Oh, 
that looks so cool. Like I would want to wear it for TikTok. Same for Spotify and all these other, you know, more tech-based organizations have, you know, you, you can wear a hoodie. And you, I went to Facebook in Dublin, in the HQ, and it just looked great. And it was like, oh, like, yeah, I want to work here too. But we, we know so little about careers when we're, you know, on the other side of the fence when we're kind of looking in and we do a bit of desk space research because we're only looking at what people want you to see and I suppose highlights reels of organizations um, and it's like you don't need to figure out everything right now just start having you know meaningful conversations with people to get a feel for is this something you want to explore further um, and over life you will figure it out it's like constantly people say i really want to work in social media or i really want to be an influencer it's like great but you're only seeing a very very small percentage of what it looks like you see the the trailer of it right you see how amazing it is to work with all these fantastic brands and post a few photos or get brand deals it's like that's not the typical role speak to 10 influencers or people who work in social media and get a better feel for it and you don't figure it out it doesn't mean you go from zero to 100 so there isn't really any pressure apart from get started, start having conversations, start doing research, start upskilling yourself and getting that knowledge of what these careers or the careers that you're interested in are all about. And yeah, like do things rather than just talk or, you know, feel, because I think the lack of action increases your level of anxiety and also the feeling of being overwhelmed and the pressure you're in. So rather than just sitting behind a, you know, a desktop or a desk, just kind of researching away and thinking about things, it's, it doesn't necessarily give you a, an accurate picture. So start to implement small steps. Now that could be something like asking a family member about if they know someone in a certain industry using LinkedIn, using other social media platforms, like using different resources, whether it's your own university career service, like take one small step and each day take another small step and kind of don't look back just so soon, like carry on until you're at a place where you are, you know, you, you have to make that kind of decision of the crossroads. It's like, well, I've got enough information. Do I invest further? And then invest further means putting an application together, you know, making kind of building those meaningful connections or I've done my research, I've gathered the intel. I don't think it's for me. Cool. Well, where is next for you? So I think always try to take action doesn't mean straight to jobs board, straight to applications mm -hmm. because it's just a heavy investment. So take it step by step and do something. Hmm. Yeah. I love the, the bike metaphor is amazing and I'm probably going to steal it. And I really think that just adding to that quickly is a lot of our work circles around. Can we give people that initial push into into getting moving so that they can steer and go somewhere as opposed to sitting still and getting more anxious. Love it. Cool. Now, if someone's experiencing some external pressure, let's say it's parents, other family members, friends, do you have any tips for how they might communicate their new way of thinking to those around them? Yeah, I think one thing that's really important, and even if it's family members, is building boundaries is just being aware of, hey, look, these building boundaries for yourself. So you may not want to have some of these conversations with family. Um, but more importantly is, is understanding your view and understanding other people's view. 
and being accepting that people won't share the same view about things. And, and that's absolutely fine. Just because I don't like a certain type of food doesn't mean that you don't, you feel the same way or you feel so strongly against it. Like we need to have a debate or an argument about it. It's like, well, we're all entitled to our own choices. So just because if I say you need to do something, you don't have to do it. And you can almost just say, hey, look, you know, thanks a lot for your, your advice and just take it. You know. and, and again, as long as you're gathering intelligence and gathering uh, good advice and knowledge from reputable sources, that's the key thing. So try and build boundaries. And, and I suppose you'll, you'll feel out how people f- are viewing your thoughts as well. So if people are always trying to encroach or telling you what to do, it's important to build boundaries and, and politely push back. Um, but also understand that everyone's got their own view and almost sort of dig deeper. So kind of from a personal perspective, uh, I, I've experienced this and at face value, I suppose, or when I was younger, it was almost like to push back, always to disagree, always to think that I know everything. But actually, people are always trying to encroach or kind of giving you advice, whether it's unsolicited or not. Um, for ulterior motives because they care because they want you to do well because you know they want the best for you and it's just sometimes it's not so clear it's it's always through different mechanisms like you need to do this because you'll be happy and successful and earn money it's like okay i understand where it's coming from so i think it's really important to step away understand why people are saying things but also build those boundaries and it's important to not let it affect you um and stay your course so we can always entertain thoughts but don't let you know don't accept them as they are just understand that they are just thoughts they are other people's beliefs they're not yours they don't dictate your life so really important to build boundaries amazing love that we i know we have some questions that we like to mm-hmm. ask of all of the guests that we bring on this show this has been a great conversation i'm super curious to know what's the most fun that you've ever had in your career what was it i've done some pretty cool jobs uh i met some pretty cool people but i think the last three years has been fun to me like going on a kind of different journey um so when i transitioned into higher education and kind of worked at ucl in 2000 i think it was 2017 i think a year later and since so the past sort of three years it's been a fun journey of like, cool. The first year was almost like, Hey, can I do this? Should I be here? Can I do this? Um, and after I kind of overcome that and realized that, Hey, I can actually do this and I'm pretty good at what I do was cool. Let's have some fun. Let's, let's try different things. Let's introduce different concepts. Uh, you know, long before kind of the pandemic, I was trying to incorporate technology. So rather than asking students to come onto campus, like, Hey, we can do a Skype call. Like there's no point traveling to campus for a half an hour consultation. Uh, how can we create digital resources? So past three years has been really fun because it's been quite exploratory. It's been quite creative. I've had the chance to, to go to the US and California in particular to work with institutions. And then I suppose even more fun has been the last sort of year and a bit of kind of creating my business and seeing, you know, and kind of, in, I suppose, starting I think it's been roughly a a year of LinkedIn and my journey on LinkedIn so that has probably been my most fun experience of just 
giving things a go and seeing what comes of it. And yeah, LinkedIn's been pretty fun of just knowing a lot more, building great friendships. Um, yeah, so I think that that for me has been quite quite fun. Love it. Yeah, and it sounds like the advice that you give to people around trying things, putting yourself out there, <laughs> you've proven it in your own experience that it can be very enjoyable. What's the biggest risk that you've taken in your career and how has it turned out? Yeah, so when I, um, so I had thoughts of leaving UCL uh, in Easter, sort of March, April, 2019. And then in November, I did leave and uh, to create my own business. Uh, and that was the biggest risk I've, I've taken. Um, yeah, because it was like, hang on, you're leaving, you know, like the sixth best institution in the world in a stable career on an upward trajectory to what create your own business i mean <laughs> why like why would you do it uh, that has been a huge risk and, and going through kind of the pitfalls of entrepreneur life mindset ups and downs creating structures understanding that you have no money coming in um what are you trying to achieve uh yeah and that kind of emotional roller coaster so that's been the biggest risk and I'm still here. So it's worked out fine. And it's, yeah. And it's kind of taught me a lot more about taking risk and unless it's, you know, life threatening and life changing, give it a shot. I'm like, what's the worst that can happen. So for me, that's exactly what I said was, Hey, look, I am the youngest careers consultant in the UK. So if I decided to take two years out, it would have zero impact on my career. If things just completely failed, cool. Well, at least I've given it a go. And at least I could say to myself, I've gone 110% all in. It just didn't work out. And here are the reasons why it didn't work out. And then at least I can carry on with my life and not have those regrets because otherwise it's like, well, that could have been me. Or you see that person on LinkedIn, who's now, you know, one of the best career coaches in the world, that should have been me. It's like, well, well it wasn't. So you can't really use that argument anymore. So yeah, I mean, give it a shot and you know, if it doesn't work out, cool. Well, at least you've got data, right? And then you can start pivoting and saying it didn't work out. Whereas before you could come up with, you're basically living in the land of hypotheticals and it's really difficult to, to move forward. So yeah, it worked out fine for me. Awesome. Well, the land of hypotheticals is an actual scary place because there's yeah. just infinite possibility. <laughs> You're never going to, yeah, you're never going to win. It's, you always create a hypothetical where you'll lose. So yeah. yeah, it's difficult. I'm curious, what is the best piece of career advice that you have ever received? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a funny story and a painful one at the time, but probably the most, I still remember it to this day. So it was in 2013. Uh, I just finished being an intern at a headhunting company and uh, the feedback I got was like fantastic, glowing. Uh, and at the time I was under the impression that, Hey, look, all your hard work. Um, yeah. It shows like people will hire you. You know, if you work incredibly hard, you achieve great things. People will hire you like that kind of what life, how it works. Like you shouldn't have to promote yourself. You shouldn't have to talk how great you are or show people. And then I kept flirting in my last week of being an intern. I kept flirting with the CEO saying, Oh, well, you know, I'd love to stay longer intent or um yeah like well you know if you hired me um you know i could work on these particular projects if, if i were here for longer 
And I could see, you know, I just never had the confidence to say, I really enjoy it here and I really want to stay. Do you have any full-time opportunities? And then eventually uh, we had leading drinks for me and another intern. And I chased after the CEO in central London, Dan Oxford Circus, because it was like, this is your final opportunity. Now, if you haven't, like, if you don't ask him now, you're never going to ask him. So I eventually did, ran up to him or ran after him up until the steps into the, the underground. And I was like, look, I really want to stay longer. And I, I'm hoping for if, you know, if I can get a full-time job. And he smiled at me and he said that you probably won't like my answer, but you'll understand it later in life. And it was, if you don't ask, you don't get. And he said, if you could, if you asked me at any point throughout the week, I would have given you a full-time job, but you didn't. And it kind of blew my mind and I was shocked as he walked away. I was just like, that makes no sense at all. Like, why, why? And that empowered me over the next kind of couple of months to just put myself out there. Ask, like, if you don't ask, the, the answer is always no. So rather than expecting people see your value, you show people your value and what you're capable of doing. And that's the one piece of kind of careers advice that has kind of stayed with me throughout my year and almost everything or wherever I've gone is how can I show people them? Because yes, you've got your CV. Yes, you've got your couple letter and references, but it's really important to have like a career journal or like an accomplishments kind of PDF or a slide deck or something where you can really kind of harness and leverage what you've achieved at certain places. And even if you're a, you know, a student or a recent graduate, you can still do amazing things. And it might be just, you were given the responsibility when you worked in a bar of doing a stock check or rather than just being a waiter or a waitress, or, you know, you were asked to go on a course, you know, to be a barista or something. And it's really important to, to leverage it. And every time I go to do workshops, presentations, interviews, I just have a career journal of like, Hey, here's what I've done. This is what, you know, why you should hire me. And this is what I want. Uh, and that's the kind of one piece of advice that I've, I've always lived by and, and will always be with me. What a story. Yeah. That's gotta be one of the best we've ever heard on this show. I love it. <laughs> for sure. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. No so this has been a great conversation. Anil, where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? Yeah. Um, so I'm, or I was pretty active on LinkedIn. I've kind of taken a break, um, but you can still find me. You can still contact me on there. Uh, I'm working on a, a new website, actually, uh, kind of doing some weird and wonderful things. So uh, probably write some more blogs. Um, so that's coming out soon and it's just grad-coach.com. Um, yeah, so it's kind of primarily LinkedIn and a website that's going to be launching fairly soon. Excellent. Amazing. Great, great stuff. You have a lot to give to people that you're serving. So I definitely encourage you, dear listener, to check out Anil. I think we can call it a week at that for the Career Builders podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Nil Ram, check him out, grad-coach. We hope you are well, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Career Builders Podcast. Do you know someone who takes their career seriously and would appreciate the show? Why not share it with them? You'll help your friend with their career development while helping us spread the message of TCBP. On behalf of Lisa and myself, thanks for your support, and we'll catch you again next week.